Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. You know, we're to live a transformed life, a transformed life, living from the inside out. We've been talking about that for several weeks now. So we're kind of bringing things to a close in that series today as we talk about being transformed, our identity and purpose, transformed identity and purpose. Oh, uh, do you really know who you are? Well, yeah, I, I know who I am. This is my name. Or here's who I am. This is where I work. And for most people, particularly men, their identity is wrapped up in the idea of their career. If you ask them something about themselves, well, I work at so-and-so. This is my job, my career. I'm a businessman. I'm a farmer. I'm a teacher. I, this is who I am. How would you describe yourself? Here's an important statement for us to know. You need to know your identity before you can really know your purpose. You need to know who you are before you can know why you're here. The word identity means simply the set of qualities that makes a person unique or different. Where you're different from someone else. This is you, it's distinctive. It may be your name, your appearance, your looks, history, your history, background, your experience. The question for us to ask ourselves today is, where do I get my identity? Where does my identity come from? For many people, their identity is simply absorbed in their lives from culture. This is, this is what everyone else is, is like. This is who they say they are. Therefore, I'm just going to adapt and become like them. And, and with the peer pressure and with the, the culture the way it is now, political correctness, we oftentimes, uh, people will simply move into an identity that links up or is just like everyone else. They're pressured to be accepted. Uh, and so they assume someone else's or another group's identity. We are experiencing today a real identity crisis. Uh, transsexual, transgender, and I heard... I heard uh, the other day uh, a story of a person uh, from Tampa, Florida, and although he's white, Caucasian, and his name is Adam, he feels he's Filipino. He says, quote, whenever I'm around the music, their music, the food, I feel I'm in my own skin. I watch the History Channel when they're talking about this, and, and I really identify with it. It intrigues me more and more the Filipino culture. So, he has decided to be Filipino and to change his name from Adam to Jadu. And he drives around in Tampa in a tuk-tuk, which is a three-wheeled vehicle that's used uh, by the Filipinos, uh, particularly in public transportation. And he makes this statement. He says, I think if you're unhappy with who you are, then you change yourself for the better, and that makes you happy, then go for it. Interesting statement. He says, you know, I had to make sure it wasn't just me because if it was, then, then it, it, it would be really weird, strong. Maybe I'm just strange. 
So I got the word out and formed a support group and asked if anyone else was like this. And he said, I heard several people who just like me, they had this, uh, they, they identified with another culture. They felt that they were not, uh, that they were some other culture than what they had begun life with or life had started for them. And here's the strange thing about it. He says, since I found out that other people were like this, then I figured I wasn't strange. Now think about that just a moment. Could it not be that the whole crowd is strange? This crisis, identity crisis, where, you know, male, female, uh, sexual orientation, uh, even racial identity, uh, it's a, it's a, it shows us. Now these are the, the, the out, I guess the outstanding, those things that just seem to be very, very uh, I guess, pronounced in the world today. We hear so much about those types of things. And so a lot of attention is drawn to that, but that's not the only way people experience a crisis when it comes to their identity. You know, people who begin to identify or, or become someone else just because they feel like they want to, these people actually, when they transfer into another identity, do you know that they're actually committing personal suicide? Their personal identity, their personal lives no longer exist in their mind. So how do they know who they really are? How do they know what, and that's why you'll run into people who go through these experiences that are so confused. And although they put up a front that, yes, now I'm happy, now I'm complete. This is the way life should have always been. This is not the truth. It's a facade. Down deep inside, they know that there's been a perversion. There's been a distortion of their real identity. We experience a lot of identity theft today. It can be a horrible thing where someone steals your identity and they purchase things. They put you in debt. They get you in trouble. All of a sudden you find out that there's someone else there that's using your name and your identity to do who knows what. It's a serious problem today. People's identity sometimes stolen or affected by just things around them. How many people do I know whose lives have been shaped by an identity that was placed upon them, even, even children from their parents? How often I've seen children who are still suffering now as adults because they've had a parent that, that uh, never recognized their worth, that was always belittling them and putting them down and calling them names and they established that identity by speaking into that child's life. And as they grew older, they began to adapt to that and become what someone had identified them as. There's a problem today of mistaken identity, stolen identity. We need to know who we are. Sometimes identity is distorted, like when you go to these carnivals or fairs and you walk through these these mirrors, house of mirrors there, and you look into the picture there and it's distorted. Something is really wrong. And no wonder there's so many people that are stumbling, even in those professing believers who are searching for what, what, what is it about life? What do I need to do? My life is things are confusing. I don't know who I really am. And God doesn't want us to live that way. We don't have to be that way. We don't have to be that way. It's important to know who you are in Christ, who God created you to be. And I want to, I want to, to build this around uh, scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to look at three things in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, first of all, 
we're going to find out who we were. You know, it's important to know where you come from. It's important to know. It's important to know that's part of the problems we face in America today as far as people understanding or having a true identity uh, when it comes to being an American or citizens of this country is because there has been uh, the rewriting of the history of this nation. No one, so many of the younger generation have no clue as to what the principles of this nation, uh, what, what it was built upon, the foundation of this nation. So the identity of the nation has been lost to many. It can happen to a person. Uh, you need to know, first of all, who you were. Who you were. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Listen to what Paul says to the church there. He says, And you he made alive, who were, past tense, you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, the enemy, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted, past tense, ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So Paul's very quick to say, this is who you were. You were lost. You were hopeless. You were dead spiritually. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were condemned. You walked in the lust or the desires of the flesh in this world system. This is who you were. Ah. Uh, but I love verse 4, chapter 2. First two words says, but God. This is who I was, but God. But God. You know, uh, every Christian actually is, can be a, a rags to riches story. Can it? Man, this is my life before Christ. Rags, filthiness. Lost hopeless, but now in Christ. But God has done this. God has done this, and now I'm rich through Christ. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Amplified Bible says, and he did this so that, so that the, the age to come, in the age to come he might clearly show the immeasurable, unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus by providing this wonderful redemption. Verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not a works list anyone should boast. We have been forgiven, made alive, restored, free from condemnation. That's who you are. Sometimes you go back and you see that the, uh, you go through the scripture and you look at all the places where you can begin to see a picture of who you are in Christ, your identity. And we just pick out just a few from the scriptures. I'm not going to give you the reference, but all these more can be found in the word of God in the scripture because here's what you need. You need to dwell on these things. You need to get these things down deep inside as a follower of Christ where you can say and believe in your heart, I am forgiven. I am a new creation. 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. I am chosen. I am loved by God. I'm a child of God adopted into the family. He's my father. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I have been given the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. I am an heir, a joint heir with Christ. I have no lack. I am abundantly blessed. I am the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I'm an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am healed completely. I am, a, I am an ambassador of Christ. You need to know this is who you are and you can walk in this. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do and I have what he says I can have. My identity is in him. Beautifully stated in Romans chapter 4, verse 14 through 17, New Living Translation says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. This is who you are. You're believers, who you are. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, or Daddy, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. In other words, go through some difficult times. There are trials in the Christian life. The message paraphrase says, <clears throat> So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? <laughs> There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing we can do is to, the best things to do, the thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It is adventurous, expectant, greeting God with childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are. He's the father. We're his children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, which is an unbelievable inheritance. It's who you are. That's who you are. Know who you are in Christ. Now, understand, this is not about religious pride. Hey, look. Hey, I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. Look at me. That's not what this is saying at all. When you know who you are in Christ, the operative words are in Christ. <laughs> this is who you are in him. This is not about pride or arrogance. This is about confidence in him and in his word. Who you were, but God, so now here's who you are in Christ. And in the third thing we see there in Ephesians chapter 2, we find in verse 10, you know who you were, who you are. Now the question is, why are you here? Why are you here? Wouldn't it have been a lot simpler when you believed on Jesus your Savior, that Jesus died for you on the cross, and he just made you brand new and saved you, that he just took you right on home to heaven then? You know? Hey, man. Just, boom, I'm changed and I'm with you. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. Why? Because we have a purpose here. 
We have a purpose here. It's important for us to know that. We are created for a purpose. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, a masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works. That God prepared beforehand that we walk in them. Amplified Bible says, For we are his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. You know, he prearranged a good life for you. He prearranged a life with purpose. You don't have to walk in it. You don't have to accept it. It doesn't happen automatically, but he's designed a plan for each and every one of us. I believe that. We're his workmanship, a work of art by an artist. He didn't restore us just to put us on a shelf and admire. So how do you discover? How do you discover and know your purpose? Well, one of the first things we need to do is go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the original purpose of God's creation of man. He created the world, everything that's in it. Everything was good, very good, perfect. In it, he created man. We refer to him as Adam, earth. And so Adam and Eve, his helpmate, his partner, was create, they were created. He is the creator. And he placed them in a perfect environment. Perfect environment. In paradise, if you will, in the garden of Eden. And yet he placed them there not to just roam around, not to just do nothing. He gave them a mission, responsibility. And this is how it's set up even for us, that we are redeemed or made new or created anew in Christ. And we've been restored back to that place that God originally designed in our spiritual life. So God created man out of an act of love and to be in relationship God desired. God did not need to have a family in order to be complete or fulfilled. But he created mankind as an act of love to bestow upon his creation a love, someone that had the ability to respond to him with love. You understand if mankind had been created robotic in a sense that God created them and they always would do exactly what God wanted them to do, then there would be no way for there to be a true response of love from them. Free choice is required in order for real love to be expressed. Amazing that God created a human being that had their own will that by their own choice could say no to God. Amazing. But God created man in such a way, poured out his blessings upon him, placed him in a perfect environment. He was to live out his life, not by the sweat of the brow, but he was to live out his life fulfilling the purpose that God had given them and it was all to be lived out in the context of a relationship with the Father. Everything flows from God. I live out my life. This is what life is all about. I receive everything from the Lord. My provision comes from Him. 
He directs my path. But instead, unfortunately, through the enemy, through Satan, through sin, through the temptation that came in that place, Adam and Eve both decided to go their own way, choose their own destiny. And as a result, in the place of life is death. In the place of, of purity, there's, there's sin. In the place of the fellowship with God, there's separation, so on and so forth. In place of completion, healing, there's sickness and there's hurt. So, so this was never God's original plan. His original plan, I'll create someone that I will love and they will love me. And I will create them where they can live out a life of fulfillment. And they will have purpose and a mission. There's nothing sinful about work, although some of us may have thought that from time to time, because God gave Adam work to do. He says, I'm putting you in this garden and you take care of it. Now, before sin came, there wasn't any weeds to dig up. Or, you know, it, was a good place. it was good work. It was fulfilling work. But this draws a picture in our mind of how it must have been to live in that perfect environment, fulfilling the will of God. God always creates us for a purpose, with, with a mission. That's extremely important. He says, I'm going to put you here. You take care of the garden. You are the caretaker. You are the one. And, and here's, here's the important for you to remember that in taking care of the garden, you are in charge. And I will give you dominion in this place. And you will rule over this earth and rule over all the other creation. You will have dominion. And here's a purpose. You are to procreate. A family, you're to multiply. This was God's design. And it was a good one. Until the wrong decision, choices were made by man. Horrible thing that happened. Hope was gone, hopeless. Sin, death, all those things. But God in his mercy and grace provided a way through his own son where Jesus without sin came, lived a perfect life, fulfilled the purpose of the Father here on earth, gave his life on the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. He died in our place and through his death, burial, and through his resurrection, he now has provided restoration to bring us back to the place where God wants us to be as his children. Restored. But he doesn't restore us just to sit. He restores us to serve. He restores us to live out his purpose, to do his good works. How do you discover his will? Now, you know, you've noticed there are just some people that they're born and they begin to grow up and all the way as they grow up, even as a child or as teenager, young adult, they just grow up and they seem to know why they're here. They seem to know what their purpose is. This is what I'm here for. This is my purpose. This is what I'm supposed to do. And so everything just, I'm sure it probably isn't this way, but just from the onlooker, it looks like everything just falls into place for them. And they just move along the pathway of God's will. And everything is just his purpose and his will. And it is wonderful. There are some people it seems to be that way. But can I tell you, that's not the way it usually is. For many of us along the path, we've really had to seek the Lord and look, Lord, really, what do you want me to do? What's my purpose? What have you put in my life that, that I'm supposed to exercise and I'm supposed to use for the kingdom? What am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? What's the next step in my life? It's a big question. And it has extreme consequences, both good and bad. If we make the decision, we go the wrong way. God doesn't want that. God wants us to know what our purpose here on earth 
I don't know why. It, just, it seems that some people are just born in a place to where they just know what they're looking for in life. And it just sometimes just aggravates you. Bless them, Lord, but just aggravates you. I mean, it's just everything just flows. They just know what they want. It's kind of like, I remember the story of the farmer. They put an ad in a newspaper back in 1978. And he said, farmer with 160 irrigated acres wants marriage-minded woman with tractor when replying, please send picture of the tractor. <laughs> he knew exactly what he wanted. Fulfill the purpose. But a lot of us in life, what do we want? What do we want to do? What's the next step? It can be a real challenge. Start with this. If you're going to, if you go, if this is, you know, you start with this mindset that we are created for God's glory. Your purpose above everything else is to honor him, to praise him, to worship him. We're created to give glory to him. It's, uh, you can't understand your purpose in life by starting with you. You have to start with God. It's a powerful statement. Because usually we're trying to figure out well, what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm, this is what I need to do. Start with God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, and the, the catechism was a, 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 a teaching instrument that was used by the Church of England, putting together sets of beliefs and statements of faith to try to bring conformity in the church that day. And it states at the beginning that man's chief end or purpose is this. Man's chief end or purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Wow. Enjoy him forever. It's to bring him pleasure and then he takes pleasure in us. Worship him, proclaim his greatness, accomplish his will. Can I point out these things that may help give some direction? If you're really seeking the Lord's perfect will for your life, direction, your future, uh, how to continually walk in his purpose because sometimes there are forks in the road. It's not like he calls you for a purpose and it is, a, uh, it is like an interstate highway that has no exits or no turns at all. It usually doesn't work that way. God will start you out on a course, but it is sometimes limited for a while because you don't always know what's going to be 20 years from now. You may only know today and tomorrow. Take faith. Take a step at a time. Sometimes it's limited. Sometimes we see that, well, all the way, we, all times we see that it is progressive, that he continues to unfold his purpose, his will for us in our lives. And if we take one step, it unfolds more. And there are times when we get to certain junctures in our life to where we have decisions to make in determining his direction for our life. So important for us to know which way to go. And he doesn't leave us he doesn't leave us just making a guessing game out of it. He wants us to know which way to go. I want to name three things, right, very quickly here, to help you understand God's purpose for your life. Number one, it's important for you to listen. The word listen. Listen to God's word. His word is his will for you. He'll speak to you through his word. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He will guide you. He will guide you. Listen to that inner longing or a dissatisfaction there. Now that kind of sounds kind of strange because we say, well, if you're dissatisfied as a believer, there must be something wrong with you. 
You must not be in God's will. That may be true. Or maybe it's a spiritual problem. Or perhaps it's just I have the wrong focus and priority in my life, spiritual warfare in my life I'm dealing with. And so I'm just dissatisfied with my life. I wonder how many today, if you just ask point blank the question, are you dissatisfied with your life right now? What the answer would be. It's important for us to know that dissatisfaction is not always a bad thing. Yes, we're always to be satisfied in our faith and commitment to the Lord, but, but sometimes an understanding is calling our life. There is that sense of, I don't want to call it turmoil, but there is that sense of longing that there's more, there's more out there, there's a different direction. Something's going on inside of me. I don't know where I explained that adequately or not, but those of you who experienced that know exactly what I'm saying. And sometimes that inner longing or desire can be a way that God uses you to prompt you to change because sometimes we get set in our ways and we're kind of comfortable and this is what we've always been doing and we're not really open to making a change. We're not open to allowing God to work in our lives a certain way. We should never do that. We should be daily listening to him. So very important. Listen to others. Now that's all, not always good advice because anybody ever get in trouble because you listen to somebody else. Yes and amen and amen. But understand, there are times when you've got trusted people in your life that they'll see things in your life that you don't see. They'll recognize gifts in your life that, that you don't recognize you have. And when they talk to you about it and everything, that might be God's way of confirming to you that, you know, I really hadn't thought about that much, but that has been something that's, that, that's been something that I, I've, I've been interested in. It's something that kind of, stirs inside of me. I can't quite explain it, but I can connect to that. So sometimes it's good to have an ear out to hear those trusted believers who will speak in your life that way. Now, listen. The, third, the second word is look. Look. Observe. Recognize. Discover your gifts. Look at your life, your interest, your skills, opportunities that are out there for you to do something, for you to serve. It may not be something that's going to be that you'll be doing for the rest of your life, but there's a need there and I can reach out. There's something God has done in my life that allows me to help meet that need to his glory. And so I'm going to, whatever is found in my hand, I will use and exercise it for good. That's a principle in the scripture. And so it's important for us to realize that when you look around you, sometimes you can discover God's purpose in your life because you see a need and you reach out and meet it with his help. God does something down inside of you. I've known people over the years that uh, that gone on mission trip. They just, they just went on a mission trip with a group of other people, but they went there and through that experience, it changed their life forever. It changed the course of their life. I've seen people enter to a particular enter into a particular career before, and and it was just a job to begin with. But then they saw that God was, on, God was working the situation in such a mighty way. He was blessing and opening up a way for that to become a ministry right there as believers, as a believer working out his career, his job. It changed your life forever. Decisions can change your life forever. God has given you a unique mixture of spiritual gifts, passions, abilities. I know some people when they hear messages like this say, well, you know, I really can't think of anything that I really can't think of anything that I'm, we say, good at. I really can't think of any real gifts in my life. I, I can't think of anything that I could really do. Well, listen closely to the Word and the Holy Spirit. Listen 
to what's going on down inside of you. Don't think that you've passed over the mark and it's too late for there to be something out there that God wants you to do, do and for a role he wants you to fulfill. It may not seem big in the light of things as far as the, the, the things that are world-renowned or that's publicly known by people. It may be seen to be something very small, but if you're obeying the Lord and doing what he's called you to do, it is never small. And you never know what the end result of those little actions or little things that you do, just simply obeying the Lord and do what he puts in your heart to do. You, everyone, every one of you in your life, if you are a believer, God has put in you a spiritual gift. He's placed in you abilities. He's placed in you desires. And if you will connect to that, if you will begin to identify with that and observe that in your life, out of that you'll begin to understand his call on your life more clearly. These things in your life can be an indicator like a road sign. How did God wire you? What's the DNA he's put in you? What motivates you? What's your heart and passion? Now, we're not ruled by emotions, but don't ignore them either. Sometimes God uses them to lead you. Listen, look, the last thing is, is lay your life down or surrender. We're talking about the Lordship of Christ. If you really, if you and I really want to come to walk in a place of fulfillment and purpose, we have to understand, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, that where the scripture says, you are not your own. Get this now. You are not your own. You're bought with a price through Jesus Christ, his death. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It starts out by saying, God, it all belongs to you anyway. Man, my breath belongs to you. The days of my life belongs to you. Every ability that I have in my life or the things that you've allowed me to learn and grow in, it's all because of what you've done in my life. It's all you, Lord. Now, we have a response to, to listen and to obey and allow him work in our lives, but bottom line is we don't belong to ourselves anymore. And that's hard for some people to get, and some people just resist that and come to a place to where I don't, you know, they, they come to a place to where I, I don't want to give up this control in my life. And it's a little scary to some people. I've got things kind of in order now. I'm doing what, I don't want to give this up. You mean surrender this to the Lord? There's no telling what he may call me to do. There's no telling what he may do. Surrender this to God? It can be a little unsettling for some people. But here's the beauty of it. Jesus says, if you want to find your life, really find your life, then you got to lose it. It is a kingdom of God principle. We want to hang on to it, don't we? We want to kind of run our own lives. We kind of don't want to turn these things loose. Especially say, turn them loose to God? What does that mean? But if we'll come to the place in faith and we'll do that, what happens is those things that we've been longing for, that lack of fulfillment, will be gone. The confusion will be gone where something was missing in our life before, even though we tried to fill it with things, all kinds of stuff. We filled it with activities. We filled it with all these things that we thought, you know, this, this is good. Still, something was missing. That's because God created you that way. He's the only one who can truly satisfy. He's the only one that can fill the real deep down emptiness in your life. He's the only one that can bring you to a place to where you're walking out and fulfilling his plan and purpose, which will bring joy, excitement, 
completeness in your life. It is important for you to learn to know how to walk, but it takes a surrender to him. Hindsight's always 2020, they say, so it's easier to look back after we've gone through something. Like, oh, God, now, yes, I see your purpose in that. But we don't want to wait till we've already walked through it to look back and say, oh, yeah, I understand your purpose. We need to know it now and see God direct us in the future, time to come. Your life is an accident. Your life lived here is kind of, in a way, a preparation for eternity, for the next life. He's given you a destiny, something to do in this life. But did you know that you could miss it? Did you know you could miss his destiny? Did you know that you could live your whole life and not find out why you're really here? Even live a good life. Even a life with accomplishments. But not really discover why you're here. Miss God's purpose for your life. And sometimes it happens by our own choices, as we said. God's will is not automatic, and everything that happens to you is not God's will. Unless you submit to his will and follow his word, then you know it's God's will. But you and I still have free choice, the freedom to choose. So therefore, and we live in a lost world. We live in a world system where bad things sometimes happen to good people, where there's some questions that we have out there, but we know that there's some things that happen in this world that's simply not the will of God. So I'll just kind of coast and God's going to work out his will in our life. No, it takes, it, it, it takes us doing this intentionally. It takes us choosing. We have to be proactive in it. And understanding your purpose in life is more important than just, and look, we say all oh, the guys that are here, yes, God's purpose for me is to be the kind of husband I'm supposed to be, to be the kind of dad. Wife says, I'm supposed to have, be the kind of wife and mother I'm supposed to be, be the kind of parents we're supposed to be. I'm supposed to uh, uh, perform the job or the, the, be involved in the career that I have and my job is important and that's part of, my family's part of my purpose, my job's part of my purpose and the role in ministry, that's part of my purpose and we see all those factions involved in, in purpose but it all has to be anchored to the fact that above everything else is surrendered to the Lordship of Christ so that he fulfills all he wants to fulfill in our life the way he wants to do it and we make it hard we make it more difficult than it should be. And if we'll follow these simple things this morning, it may be that some things will begin to click. Some things will begin to open up to you. And where you thought it was just a mystery and you were kind of muddling around trying to find out what in the world, Lord, do you want me to do, then you see it might be just right in front of your nose. You see that it's much clearer than what you ever realized. Your purpose is not just about you but it's about what God wants to do through you. It's about those that you can reach. It's about those that you can bless. It's about those that need you. It's about the impact you can have on others. It's about leaving a legacy. And just a word of encouragement. Even if you messed up, even if you mess up, God can turn disaster or mistakes around. He can take what the enemy meant for harm. He can take our own mistakes and somehow weave them into the fabric of our life and in spite of that produce something good and complete and fulfill his purpose in our life. It is never too late to start. I don't care 
who you are. I don't care what your age. You have years to live. You have a purpose to fulfill. Don't miss it. We need to say from our hearts this. God, I want your purpose for my life. I submit my life to you. Jesus is Lord of my life. I submit to your word. I look to you, Lord, for direction. Get me in line with your purpose so I will fulfill my destiny here on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen and amen.